Hello. Welcome to another episode of the Husky Bud Woo podcast. This is your Husky Bud Woo, Ariel. And, uh, well, we're back. Uh, I'm going to keep insisting on doing these things, even though nobody's listening. Or a few of you, two, three of you, those of you who are still listening. My God. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Uh, I mean, I don't know if it's masochism or a, a loyalty to me or whatever you want to call it. But thank you, I, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I guess thank you. Yeah, let's let's go with that one. Let's go with a decent one. Thank you for uh, pulling in there. Uh, uh, staying there by hook or crook and uh, digesting these uh, podcasts once a week. Uh, I do them. It is a labor of love. Uh, I do them because I want to, because I want to get better at this. Uh, not because I see myself in the future making myself millions and millions of dollars out of this. Not because of that. I do it because I want to. That's basically it. I, I feel this need. I've explained this before. This need of trying to do this, so uh, I'll do it. Uh, let's start off the podcast with some uh, somewhat somber news. You know, let's like a recap. It seems that uh, this uh, month, uh, month end, well, this month, February. Yeah, because it happened. These deaths are in the month of February. Uh you know, repercussions and whatnot of the year that was 2020. Uh, some people decided, you know, that that was too much or I don't know, just health issues and whatnot. Uh, we beginning of the month, we lost Dustin Diamond, a.k.a. Screech, uh, due to uh, stage four uh, uh, lung cancer. Christopher Plummer, 91. We don't need to explain much there. That was pretty much, uh, you know... Uh, living out more life to the fullest, uh, more power to him. And on my evangelical roots, uh, the singer Jaime Morel uh, uh, died this weekend as well. Uh, so uh, rest in peace to all all three of these gentlemen. And also people that, if you have family members and friends that died uh, during the week, my sympathies, my condolences, and uh, it sucks. But that is life. Another thing that is sucking right now is to be Marlon Manson. This week was a week, uh, I guess, to... Uh, yeah, I sounded very, like, in the news right now, right? It sounds like very, he's, like, reading from a teleprompter. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, yeah, what a week uh, uh, Marlon Manson had this week, huh? If you haven't heard the news, you know, the guy... Um, Former flame Evan Richwood pretty much threw him, you know, threw him under the bus, said that. And I don't mean that in a bad way, because if he did do these things good on her for saying uh, what she had to say, uh, pretty much he said that the dude abused her, uh, indoctrinated her when she was young, because they, they did start dating when she was young. She's in her 30s, I think now, but she was 17 when they first met and uh uh, he said she says that he was abusing her and then like five other chicks came out uh, saying that this was true. West Borland, former guitarist, says it was true. A former assistant says it's true. And now uh, the the final nail in the coffin is Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails saying that. Yeah, that's pretty much him. 
Uh, so, uh, happy trails, Marilyn Manson. I mean, I'm I'm not making fun of him. I'm not trying to, you know, make light of a very dark subject. Uh, abuse is real. Uh, one as one that has been abused in his life, I would understand the trauma. I understand the pain. But uh, yeah, uh, if it's true, well, he's just getting what he deserves. I mean, the record label dropped him. Every cameo that he was going to have, any appearances and whatnot on TV shows and whatnot, done. Uh, so revenue done, uh, any extra revenue done. Uh, he's pretty much a leper at this point. And, uh, well, couldn't happen to a nicer guy, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what else to add. I mean, it's not like I was a big Marilyn Manson fan back in the day. I mean... Uh, I am a metalhead, but my metal is mostly in the classics, you know, Metallica, Slayer, uh, uh, and bands like that. Uh, Marilyn Manson was not my particular cup of tea, not because of sat Satanism shit and whatnot. Uh, it's just, you know, I, I'm not into shock rock. That's basically it. And he's into shock rock, uh, uh, or was actually, because, you know, now no more i guess i i try to kind of laugh at these things I, and it's not that i'm doing it on malice believe me there's no malice i don't know the dude i don't know him from adam i don't know him from anything so uh, it's just that you know the the, the thing is that I, the way i'm seeing this if you allow me to rant is in and, and, and uh is that you know you live by certain principles and you think that you are, you know, every everybody thinks they're the hero in their story and they probably don't realize that they're being the fucking villain, you know? And I'm not saying that he probably thought he was doing the right thing. Uh, I don't know what type of person would think like fucking up a girl is a nice thing to do and actually like gives you, gains you points and on favors or on high. But then again, Marilyn Manson, I don't think I don't call him and I wouldn't call him the religious type. Not at least in the traditional sense, at least, I don't think. But anywho, uh, it is what it is. Uh, you know, uh, I'm not going to kick a guy while he's down. Um, that's what already, the women are already doing. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. I I'm trying not to be joke jokey and funny about this kind of shit. This is fucking serious. I mean, these girls... Uh, my apologies. These ladies, these women, feel that, that this guy took an abuse of them and took advantage of them. The only person that has come out and said somewhat good thing about him was Kat Von D, you know, his ex. Uh, and she said that he never abused her. Then again, Kat Von D, I think she would be into that kind of shit just by the aesthetics anyways. But she said that. If he would have abused her physically, she wouldn't have taken that shit and she would have left. And she said very clearly that, no, my issues with him is that we, he was, you know, a junkie and a cheater. That's <laughs> so I guess he was like, thanks. <laughs> thanks for defending me. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Uh, great for not saying. Well, I didn't say you're a, a woman beater. I just said you're a fucking cheat. And you're a fucking junkie. That's all I said. I didn't say you're a woman beater. There's a difference, you know. There's a difference between being a junkie and, and, and a cheater. 
and a, and a woman beater or a wife beater or a, a girl beater. It's a different fucking difference, you know. I'm trying to defend you. Chug <laughs> of water. It is water, not acid. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to take an acid trip. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, it seems that uh, the career of Marilyn Manson would it would seem that it's done. Uh, I mean, but then again, uh, Mel Gibson still does movies, uh, although he didn't do these things that Marilyn did. Anywho, uh, that's done with. Uh, let's go back and let's go into the de- uh, the geeky shit that I enjoy. Uh, and uh, if you've been listening to the podcast lately, I've been raving and reviewing uh, each episode of WandaVision. And, you know, first two left me somewhat perplexed. Uh, the third got into business, kind of. Fourth was revealing, <laughs> to say the least. And the fifth is, oh my fucking god! <laughs> it's uh, okay. And again, the traditional spoiler uh, warning comes in at first here. So if you haven't watched the episode yet, don't listen to this fucking podcast. Don't fucking blame me. I am warning you right now, up front. We are going to spoil the living fuck out of this episode and the rest of Wandavision. So if you haven't watched the series yet. And you haven't watched this episode, fuck you. I'm going to talk about it. It's your goddamn fault for listening to this shit. So here we go. We continue <laughs> in Westview. Uh, and uh, now we get a very general idea of what the fuck is going on. That indeed it is Wanda that is controlling everything to a degree. And we say to a degree because it seems that something is fucking off a rocker. I mean, watching your boyfriend get fucking murdered in front of you would do something for you. But then again, this fucking boyfriend was a cyborg, was a synthetic synthetic humanoid. Okay, although he did have, you know, a nervous system and whatnot, he was still technically not human. But I digress. In this episode, they actually showed uh, uh, how Wanda has vision in her possession. She actually went to a sword facility because, you know, we, uh, ABC did a banging job in destroying S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> well, it wasn't ABC's fault. It was the Russo brothers that decided to, you know, put the kibosh on S.H.I.E.L.D. Anyway, uh we see is uh, uh, like security camera, uh, 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 security uh, uh, cameras uh, recording Wanda retrieving Vision's body, which has been in possession of Sword. That's a little bonus point that we need to keep in mind of uh, for later for the next episodes, because what the fuck they were doing with Vision's body? You would think that if the dude is dead, let him be, but no, the dude and they had the body dismembered, dismembered. All over the place. So they were obviously studying the body. They were obviously analyzing the body to see what the fuck is going on. How the hell is this going on? But anyway, we got our answer that uh, up to the point of this episode, Wanda has uh, had a, a, she took possession of window uh, of Vision's body nine days prior to the events of happening in WandaVision. Uh, 
and we get a clear understanding that the force field is created by Wanda. She is controlling everybody in Westview. And she is having this uh, stupid sitcom life. Having It's like her way of dealing with her fucking trauma of not only losing vision, but losing her brother. Every fucking pain that she has had in life. Because you have to remember, this this kid, and I say kid. <laughs> I say kid, but this woman, you know, has not had the easiest of lives. Anyway. So uh, she is subjugating everybody into torture in this town. The way we know this is that somehow Vision found out how to break uh, Wanda's uh, spell, to say the least. And uh, he starts interrogating some people and they are frightened. They are afraid because they are aware of what she is doing to them. And they're afraid, but they can't stop because she is controlling everyone. She's controlling everyone. So this sitcom that we have been seeing so far for the last five episodes, it's her doing. It's her pulling the strings. It's her controlling everyone. Uh, the twins, uh, I'm all over the place. I'm not going in any general, like, per beat by the book, how everything happened in the episode. I'm just saying the things that come popping up in my head. So if you didn't watch the episode and you're going through what I'm not narrating to you right now, you're going to be lost as fuck. <laughs> so if you're listening to me, you already watched the episode. I'm quitting. Basically, I'm a Tarantino movie explaining <laughs> shit to you. It's in no particular order. You have to like compose a thing afterwards in time. He's like, oh, yeah, this is this is the actual timeline of how everything happened. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so the twins uh, keep growing. We have a dog now and. Everything seems to be accelerating. Vision starts to understand what's up. So Wanda sends him to work on a Saturday, something that the twins uh, let Wanda know. So uh, uh, Vision is under her spell as well. And also he can't remember anything prior for them from the uh, to what happened to him before being in Westview. So that means that Vision is being puppeteered. And he is being pulled the strings, strings, Age of Ultron, strings. That's some reference for you. And uh, <laughs> Agnes is like the only one, Agnes, you know, the noisy neighbor that keeps knocking on the door, not Monica Rambo because she has already been banished from Westview. Uh Agnes is the only one that seems to be aware what the fuck is going on out of everyone. I mean, she seems to be even under the spell and she knows everything that's going on. And the kids just keep growing. I mean, remember, these were babies. Now they're five year olds. And then by the end of the episode, they're they're 10 year olds. So by maybe next episode, they're already teens. I don't know. And it's explained also in the series one, because now we're having the sitcom and also what's going outside of the bubble that or the hexagon or the hex as Darcy. Darcy is Kat Dennings. Jesus Christ. I can't say enough without this woman. Her eyes captivate me again. Wife. It's a woman. I don't know. <laughs> don't be jealous. Anyway, she's the one that keeps giving these quirky explanations about everything. She's the one that has to clear up, uh, you know, the expedition. 
uh, for us, the idiots that are watching this show. Uh, so anyway, uh, Monica understand Monica Rambo. I, I can't do the fucking bit again. I already abused it last uh, last episode. Monica Rambo uh, decides that since every that every since everything that goes into the hexagon or the hex in Westview, uh, it, it has to be an age appropriate. Right now, this uh, uh, what's happening in Westview during the eighties. So what she does is that she asks if there's a drone, an 80, 1980s drone, and they send the 1980s drone to see if she can talk some sense into Wanda. But then it's revealed that the director of S.W.O.R.D. is a fucking dick and wants to blow Wanda off the reservation, wants to actually get her off and threw a fucking missile at her big giant no-no. Wanda uh, off camera. It seems that she caught the thing and she brought the 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 goddamn. I just said the fucking thing. The drone, <laughs> drone. She brought the drone back. She left the hexagon, threw the fucking drone at her at, at, at them, and she clearly. And she, by the way, once she leaves the hexagon, she has her accent again, her Sokovian accent. So the accent is just for the show. So there explains the the ones that people are asking, like, why does she have her accent anymore? Well, the accent is for the show that she does in the hexagon. And uh, outside the hexagon, she is back to being one of the Maximoff and whatnot. Anyway, it is shown that her powers are now OP as fuck. Ray Skywalker, quote unquote, can eat her bush. <laughs> That's a visual for you. Disney, go get that. Go get that money paid. Go make that print that money now. Print that money now. Lord Jesus. <laughs> I assure you that is not acid. That's water. H2O, all natural. Anyway. One that makes it very fucking clear. Final warning. Don't attempt shit like that again or I will fuck you up. Not verbatim, but that was the intent that she left. And she did kind of a little hand gesture thing. Kind of like Magneto. Hmm. Foreshadowing much. Anyway. Uh, and when she did that, all the guns pointed at the, the dick from S.W.O.R.D. That was kind of, you know, accusing Wanda of being a cunt. And trying to take over the world. And she says, look, just leave me the fuck alone. I know what I'm fucking doing. Leave me be. I need to do this. And Monica Rambo, not going to do the bit, <laughs> was the only one was like trying to reason with her and being nice to her. And Wanda wasn't having it. Wanda goes back. Vision now knows. Her, it, Vision understands that there's something going on because, oh, the reason why Vision knows is because. Darcy sent an email to Vision at his job because in the episode it just so happens that they were able to open the first computers from back in the 80s and by some wizardly fucking thing he was able uh, 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 Vision was able to get an email in that computer from the people from Zord and that's what told him what the fuck was going on and that, and then at the end of the episode, he goes and confronts Wanda that there's something going on. Wanda is like trying to play Chloe. She even literally drops the credits 
on him and he was like, no, we're talking about this. And it seemed that they were going to go start a fight. Then a door goes knocking and you would think, oh, yeah, Agnes again. No. Oh, by the way, the doggy died. Uh, I'm all over the fucking place. The doggy that the kids adopted died. And a weird shit happened when that dog died and they found the dog. The kids were like irking Wanda to bring the dog back from the dead. And Wanda was like, okay, that is one thing I can't do, kids. I can't bring back the dead. Like, but you can do everything else. Like, how the fuck these little cunts know? These little cunts just like have like five minutes alive. What the fuck? <laughs> how the fuck these little cunts know? So, kind of shows you that it, like, uh, you know, the 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 tail of the hat has already been told. I guess that's the expression. I don't know. Yeah, the thing is, a lot of development in one episode, but the 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 banging finale. The shit that blew my fucking brains to smithereens was the ending when that knocking at the door while Wanda and Vision were in, having their little uh, fight. I mean, they were even flying at one point and they were ready to throw down, but then the door knocks and lo and behold, who answers the goddamn fucking door? Pietro Maximoff as played by Evan Peters from the X-Men movies. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? And Darcy, since she's not on our universe, was like, she can't recast Pietro. No. She brought Pietro from the fucking Fox X-Men universe into her world. Now, the theories online right now are that this is Mephisto playing uh, uh, Pietro. And it's actually Mephisto who's controlling everything. And Agnes is like uh, the, the the witch that he is using to control Wanda or have Wanda appear like she has control. But it's actually Agnes through Mephisto that's controlling everything. That is the running theory so far. Or it could be that Wanda is so fucking overpowering that since she cannot resurrect the dead, she brought a version of her brother that exists in another universe, which is Pietro. Because let us remind everyone what's going on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Spider-Man 3, currently, and the rumors are that Andrew Garfield and, and, uh, and what's his name? <laughs> He's the original Spider-Man. I don't give a fuck. Uh, yeah, that that, gay, that, that, that that droopy kid. The original Spider-Man. Uh, Jesus Christ. Leonardo DiCaprio's best friend. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I can't even remember. That's on powerful H two O. Anyway, <laughs> you know, the, the, you know the thing of the thing. Yeah, I'm gonna Joe Biden this thing. <laughs> the thing of the thing. You know the thing. <laughs> okay, Andrew Garfield and, and this kid. Uh, they're coming back. Uh, Jamie Foxx is coming back. Alfred Molina is coming back. They're already seeing William Dafoe on the set. They saw, I mean, they're throwing everything on, uh, 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 but the ch- a kitchen sink of this fucking movie. And it's multiverse, multiverse. So I, my theory, this is my theory, is that Marvel is beating once again DC to the punch. DC was about, uh, is going to make 
all of their universes canon in the Flashpoint movie since they're going to have Michael Keaton come back and reprise his his role as Bruce Wayne Batman from the 1980s Batman movie. They're even going to bring Ben Affleck back just for that last hurrah just so he can say goodbye. And uh, they're going to make every single DC movie canon. Therefore, they're going to do like a shared multiverse kind of deal. But from what I'm seeing, and for what we are already getting the reports, uh, Marvel is going to beat DC to the punch. So this has been the most geekiest episode ever. And (laughs) it is exciting. I mean, I would never thought in a million years that I would get to see this kind of shit happen in Marvel or watch it in general uh, and the general public eating it. Just like, yes, feed me more, feed me more. And this is quite an exciting time because I was a geek before shit was popular. Shit, I got a bunch of comic books that prove it. And the fact that I didn't bust a nut until almost my late 20s, <laughs> that pretty much guarantees it. I'm a fucking geek. So, uh, yeah. Fun times. Fun times to be uh, a geek. Great times to be a geek. Uh, now, from one geeky subject to another, uh, I'm going to talk about a little bit about wrestling. Again, I'm not doing the wrestling podcast for now. I don't know. I don't know if I'm ever going to do it back again. I really don't know. But I thought that it would be noteworthy to talk about a little bit uh, in the podcast. Uh, you know, you know, the Royal Rumble happened uh, last week. Uh, short version, Edge, the old wrestler known as Edge, uh, Adam Copeland, won the Royal Rumble for the male side, and Bianca Belair won the fem- uh, the female side, the women's side, and he gets to have his pick on whatever champion in any brand to fight in WrestleMania. Uh, for those of you who do not follow wrestling, you probably heard about WrestleMania, uh, uh, Rum- the Royal Rumble, because Bad Bunny performed his song Booker T live on the broadcast. So probably some of you who don't know about wrestling were at least like, why the fuck Bad Bunny was jumping off the third rope again? That why? Because he's a mark. And mark is a term in wrestling lingo for fans that are very diehard fans. So that's a mark. And I am a mark. And he is a mark as well. So uh, he participated and was in the Royal Rumble. As a fan, and also got a little physical as well, so uh, it was nice. I actually predicted on on a chat group with my friends whether Edge was gonna win the the Rumble. I know that sounds weird because isn't wrestling fake? Predetermined, not so much fake because the bumps that those people take are for realsies. A lot of uh, some of them have been paralyzed due to it, and how some of them even had to leave the ring. And stop doing it altogether uh, because of the injuries that they partake doing said uh, moves. Edge is one that took off 11 years off his career uh, because he couldn't uh, take another bump. Because the doctor said, you take one more bump and you're going to be quadriplegic. Uh, He took 11 years off and thankfully his discs and his neck healed enough that he was able to 
perform uh, uh, wrestling again, and he is res- back into wrestling, and uh, I'm happy for him. Uh, another thing that we need to discuss in the wrestling department is that on Wednesday night, an AW Dynamite, in the main event, uh, it was, if I recall correctly, the Good Brothers, uh, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson, and Kenny Omega, the AEW World Heavyweight Champion, versus uh, John Moxley, uh, Ray Phoenix, and Pac, formerly known as Neville in WWE. And it was a great main event, uh, but the thing was the ending. The ending saw the interference in the end after the match of a masked wrestler who took off his disguise and revealed to himself to be none other than Kenta. Kenta, if you don't know, is a member of the Bullet Club in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Bullet Club is what these guys from the Good Brothers and Kenny Omega saying are saying on TV that they are reforming, although there's no need to reform because that already exists in New Japan. Uh, Bullet Club is a property of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And up to this point, New Japan and AEW had no uh, business relationship whatsoever. That has been undone now since Kenta attacked John Moxley, who is, by the way, the uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling U.S. champion on that uh, division because he has an agreement with AEW that he is allowed to work in other companies as well, except WWE because he burned that bridge. So, uh, very interesting stuff. Yeah, I know, riveting. For those of you who don't follow wrestling, this is riveting stuff. Edge of the sheet, edge of your seat kind of shit. But those marks that are listening to this is um, this is like, well, yes, tell us something we don't know. I can't because I don't know. So there. I just needed to report that. Anyway. <laughs> ah, okay. So, yeah. Uh, talked about one division. We talked about a little bit about wrestling. Talked about a little bit of everything. Uh, we can go back to the uh, comic book world. Uh, I'm thinking about doing this in the podcast every once in a while. Uh, talking about the comics that have influenced me. And if you think, ah, comics. Well, comics right now are a billion dollar industry, motherfucker. Uh, thanks to the comic books, we have what we have now. I, I spend like th- 15 minutes talking about WandaVision. And it's a series that is banging right now. And uh, I don't know what to tell you. If you don't like comic books right now, it is the thing right now. And uh, comic books provided me with a lot of shit that, you know, enhanced my ideas, my philosophy in life and taught me a lot of shit. And also just great ass fucking stories. Uh one of the stories, and actually a comic book that I have in my possession as a trade paperback, is Batman Year One. And I decided to do these kind of things, to talk about them. And I'm not going to read it for you because fucking story is long. But it's basically, if you saw Batman Begins, it has some influences of that in the comic. Uh, the comic, uh, the movie was so, uh, loosely based on that comic. Because it's Batman Year One, the night the name says it itself, Batman's first year on the job as being Batman. So uh, it's about a, a young twenty-something Bruce Wayne coming back to Gotham, 
And it's a dual story, actually, because it's a story about Bruce Wayne and it's a story about, uh, 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 God damn it. I, I can't believe I'm going blank with these kind of things. Jesus Christ. Jim Gordon. Jim Gordon. Jim Gordon. Gordon just transferred in this comic from Chicago to, uh, to, to Gotham City. And uh, he's a sergeant, if I recall correctly. And uh, he's starting up his career. And, and basically both of them, both Jim Gordon and Batman, start their career basically around the same time. A lot of character development for both men. But in although Batman is the most interesting character and his name is on the damn comic. Uh, interesting in terms of the allure that the general population has this story specifically the main character to me is Jim Gordon because he's the most human of the both he is the man who is trying to do things right even though he fucks up he has an affair with a cop with a cop while he has his wife pregnant mind you so he's gonna win our father of the year right there anyway <laughs> And yet, even if he does this douchey-ass fucking thing, which he did, he still owns up to it like a fucking boss. He owns up to it, and because he is a guy that is by the book. And that's what you get by reading the story. So when you read Batman Year One, you're just going to be enamored with the story of Jim Gordon. Batman is more like a secondary character. It's like the thing he's is 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 Jim Gordon's Moby Dick. You know, this is the thing that Jim uh, because the cop cops first of all they were trying like eh he's nothing, and they didn't want to even fuck with him because it's like eh, as long as this Batman is taking care of the street level thugs that's fine, but when Batman starts getting his interest into the people that are actually the wealthy the wealthy kind. And you got to understand that Gotham is corrupt as all the fucks. And so once he started getting into the interest of the wealthy people, that's when the uh, commissioner of that time, not Gordon, the, the acting commissioner that was in that time, uh, tells Jim to take down the Batman. So Batman becomes uh, Jim's Moby Dick. Then it's with time that they discover that they actually need each other to work. So uh, it is a very interesting comic, and I enjoyed it very much. It's one of my favorites, one of Frank Miller's best work. Although uh, once you read The Dark Knight Strikes, or The Dark Knight Returns, actually The Dark Knight Returns, uh, when you read The Dark Knight Returns, uh, he outdoes himself in terms of doing a, if not the best Batman stories, have to be in the top five. But then again. The Dark Knight Returns is considered one of the greatest comic books of all time. So, if, who am I to judge? So, yeah. If you haven't read Batman Year One, go ahead. I highly recommend it. Go find that shit. Uh, now, uh, a little, you know, backstory into me. Because, <laughs> yes, I'm very interesting. Kind, uh, kind of cat, am I? Very interesting. Anyway, uh, you probably noticed this kind of sarcastic take and life that I have, which is a, a contradiction by itself because I'm a man who pro professes faith in God, 
uh, in the faith in Jesus Christ and whatnot. But I am anti-religious, as you can tell, because of the way I talk. Because if I was very religious, I wouldn't be talking the way I am. Uh, and I also have a plethora of other shit that I deal with. But the th main thing is that uh, the vocabulary. So I, I think I've explained this before somewhat. But I'll try to do it with more... Uh, Try to keep it more clear and more uh, specific in terms of what the hell, just uh, where the hell this language comes from. Okay, uh, I will try not to make a such a long ass story about it, but I'll try to keep it short and sweet and and or into the point. Uh, so my youth or my childhood was basically spent between both DR and the New York and specifically in Havistraw, New York in Rockland County. So that was my, uh, my childhood. I spent like a couple of years in New York, a couple of years in the R, a couple of years in New York, a couple of years in the R, something like that. And so I have like a mix of cultures in me. And, uh, one thing you have to understand, when we lived in DR, both both in DR and New York, both of my parents worked all the time, 24-7. So we basically were left to our own devices and to a point. Not when we were very, very small, but when, you know, when I was like, uh, you know, seven, eight-ish around that, you know, it was like more uh, passing around uh, me and my brother. They were passing us around like hot potato to our cousins to see who the hell was going to spend time with these brats. And, you know, leaving your kids with other kids is not the best idea. <laughs> it's not because they fucked me up. I have nothing against my cousins. They have, didn't do anything to me. It's nothing about that. It's just that, you know, unattended, you are left to your own devices. So uh, guess what? Most of the time they were left us in my in our house and my dad had HBO. Now, I don't know if you're aware, but HBO is a 24-7 on rotation kind of thing. It was so even in the 80s, mind you. And in the 80s, uh, they wrote once, if they didn't have the occasional movie, they had to rotate into putting stand-up comedy specials. These are old. So uh, in the age of like the aforementioned ages, like seven or eight, I was introduced to the world of Richard Pryor. Uh, let me see who else. Uh, Eddie Murphy. Uh, Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor. Uh, let me see who else. Uh, Sam Kennison, Andrew Dice Clay. Uh, George Carlin. So yeah, <laughs> imagine these guys. If you don't know who they are, Google them and watch some videos on YouTube. But if you don't know who these guys are. It, or if you do know who they are and you would understand that these are not the things that you would leave a seven or eight year old listen to. But nonetheless, that's what I was listening to back then. And the thing is, I got all <laughs> I understood them perfectly. I was like, oh, so that's where my I guess my sarcastic side was. uh the foundations for my sarcastic side was uh, left uh, uh, to be uh, expanding upon. Uh, I didn't use it until, you know, I was much older because I was 
afraid of speaking out to people because I still have this idea that, you know, you might not believe in God or the devil, but I do believe people are the devil. <laughs> I do believe that. I mean, especially like, have you talked to people lately? Like the bullshit that they believe in. Holy fucking Christ. If you go to Facebook, which I'm really considering right now, like to end my Facebook account. I'm really considering that. Like I'll keep Instagram because I've rarely had a, a, a discussion there. And if I do, I just block the son of a bitch. That's it. I'm not into life to start fight, getting fights with strangers. You know, it's just that's the way how I roll. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, I think that that's one of the origins of uh, how you got this sarcastic piece of shit talking the way I do. Uh, that's uh, pretty much how I leave it there at that. Anyway, uh, you want to keep helping me doing this shit, see if I can actually get better at this and whatnot, because I still think I, I, I suck. <laughs> but some of you find this funny because you're listening. So uh, if you want to keep on helping me again, that uh, the public store is still there. Some designs are still there. Hey, Las Aguilas Ibaeños won. You know, and for what I think they're going to do, they're going to do the impossible and win the Caribbean series uh, undefeated. So it's a good time to buy that Aguila Cibaeñas t-shirt. You know, buy it, get it for you. They ship worldwide. And that would help our brother out. No other designs there, but, yeah, you know, whatever. Pick whatever you want. And it's just not just t-shirts. There are also stickers, magnets, uh, buttons, whatnot. Uh, 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 laptop cases, cell phone cases, everything, but with my designs on it. So, uh, help a brother out, and you will get some cool merch as well. So, again, this has been the Husky by Boo podcast. This has been Ariel. Hoping that you guys are well, hoping that uh, everything turns out for the best. Have a great weekend, and we'll catch each other next time. Take care, guys. Bye.